want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of bringing UJ from Atlanta, Tecton, a energy drink that you are going to hear more and more about. We're going to talk about the efficacy. We're going to talk about ketones. We're going to talk about macronutrients. And we are going to talk about growing a business and different distribution channels. So, uh, UJ, great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Pete. Excellent. A quick shout out to our friend Steve Uriah, who... Uh, connected us out of South Africa by way of Atlanta, by way of New York, by way of Switch Playground and, and other modalities that, uh, that Steve uh, touches. So, um, UJ, you've been on the, uh, on the research scientific development side. You've got a pretty storied and, and branded background. So why don't you talk about you know, where you used to work and, and what led you to uh, the Halo sector and what you're pursuing now? Great. So, you know, my background is born and brought up in India, and my dad was a fighter pilot. So I went to 13 different schools in six different states, spoke four or five different languages. But my family background is pretty important to tact on because they were mostly all in the military going back to World War I. And there's, there's a connection to this I'll draw. So doing door-to-door sales, landed up doing an MBA, went to work for Procter & Gamble. Uh, this was at a time when India was just opening up its economy. So I got, to, I got a chance to work in a big company, but on small, non-existent products, and we had to bring them to market from scratch. Uh, and so then I got a job at Coca-Cola and helped Coca-Cola get into new categories in India. And this was just about a year and a half in India with uh, Coke when they transferred me to Atlanta, where I've been for 25 years. Uh, my first, uh, within a year, I was running a JV between Coke and Nestle. And that's really an interesting kind of a job because you've got two public lim- publicly listed companies breathing over your, well, breathing down your neck or looking over your shoulder, uh, depending on how you want to uh, position that. And uh, there my role was to grow this JV and grow it uh, internationally. So I did that for a few years. The key learning that I had at that time was, in my opinion, when I looked at our portfolio strategy as a as a Coca-Cola company globally. Sugars had an uphill battle ahead. And you had the problem with aging populations not wanting to drink caffeine. And I also believed in my heart of hearts, I wanted to drink products that we made that I was happy to drink and I was happy for my children to drink. So I started to push the company into uh, the health and wellness sector, uh, and you know, we created a brewed coffee and tea business in early 2001 that was fair trade, carbon neutral, and had a lot of health nutraceutical type products in the pipeline. But at around 2008, I kind of figured 
if you really want to make big change and scalable change, sometimes you need to build it from scratch because legacy systems come in the way. And so I started a company called Blue Earth and did a lot of consulting work with scientists around the world. And through that network, I came to meet my co-founder on Tecton, a guy called Mike Chesney. He's a double purple heart, uh, Delta Force combat medic. And he had this idea of uh, licensing a technology for exogenous ketones that DARPA had initially invested in. And um, it's eight years later, uh, we are here together uh, with this brand that we just brought to market called Tecton. That's great. A, a couple of things to, to bring up, one, to our audience. You know, you were the youngest global VP uh, at Coca-Cola, which I'm sure is no, uh, um, you know, uh, small effort uh, to, to get to that level. Two, before we move on to, to Tecton, talk about what you did with Coca-Cola and the freestyle machines and how you were able to get corporate buy-in um, to provide healthier options. Obviously, if you're providing healthier options, you are de facto saying that some of our products are not as healthy. Um, so how did you kind of deal with that and convince people that uh, we need to be on the right side of history here, not necessarily, you know, destroy our, our core business, but uh, expand it and, and do that in a methodical way? So the, the key to getting a large corporation to move is that you've got to always take into account short, medium, and long term. Because investors in Wall Street will not give you the freedom or flexibility to think beyond the next quarter if your quarter is not going to do well. Right. So what? And the second part was to look at it as a portfolio strategy, which is to show, hey, in 10 years, this is what our current category growth looks like. And if you're not in these new categories, here's what our earnings per share looks like, which then directly translates into share. The third piece, which people seem to underestimate, is there are good people inside big companies. Uh, entrepreneurial people, people with a desire to leave a legacy, do good work. And you have to appeal to that as well. So you have to be pretty inspiring uh, with your ideas and, and the way you communicate them. Coca-Cola Freestyle was one of those innovations which did, did short, medium, and long-term uh, value creation for the company, at least on paper. When we first, I wrote the brief for it in 2004. I'm not a technologist or an engineer. Uh, my background's economics and applied statistics, but I worked in marketing all my life and sales. Started with door-to-door -door sales in India and when I was in college. So talking to salespeople, talking to customers, and talking to senior management was kind of really important because you needed to get multi-sided buy-in to this idea, otherwise it would never fly. And so the concept really became, hey, if we give consumers more choice, you will get more revenue short term, but as you develop the technology, you can continue to add and it becomes a platform rather than just a machine for future value-added products. And over time, these could lead to bottle can products which are closer to our core because now we'll see what people are buying into from, a, from, from the freestyle machine. So that was kind of the background to that. Just, just one, one point, you know, if you fast forward or rewind uh, over the last 10 years, You've got, you know, Diet Coke, you've got uh, uh, zero sugar, you've got multiple iterations of that around the world. You've got different ingredients going in as you're 
you know, sugar component, if you will, and maybe, you know, whether that's a, a Splenda or whether that's other, you know, different uh, types of uh, sweeteners, is there a bias internally to anchor brands to iteration versus launching new brands? And is that maybe why it's a requirement for you to basically go outside of a large company to create something like a Tecton? If you brought this internally and says, hey, let's launch Tecton, they might say, you know, that that's like a VC deal. Um, whereas what I just mentioned is more of like a brand extension or a formula extension. Yeah. So there's no question that there's much lower risk and you're riding a brand franchise that already exists to do a line extension. And the bigger challenge is, again, you know, it's not that big companies don't know how to innovate or create new products. That has been my big, I mean, I consider myself an entrepreneur. I've trained a lot of entrepreneurs from some of the top 50 Fortune 100 companies after I left Coca-Cola. The challenge is the legacy systems. To move the needle with a new product, you need to move it at a certain velocity because you can't launch this exciting, sexy new brand and not give it to Walmart or not give it to 7-Eleven. Because if you give it to any of their smaller competitors or mom and pop stores, they're going to be really angry. And so you have to get, you get universal distribution long before you get universal awareness. And with media being fragmented as it is, and you know, increasingly so, it's hard to build awareness, even if it takes $50 million, I think, and um, the numbers may be uh, dated to just- Five zero. Five zero, to yep. just fill the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Product, uh, production, distribution, getting it into all those shelves and enough facings and all of that. And then if you don't get offtake, then they get pushed out. So you would have seen recently, Coca-Cola came out with Coca-Cola Energy and a bunch of new SKUs. They lasted about two, three years, and then they're off. Even mm -hmm. a brand like Coke with a line extension cannot get that traction that fast. Gotcha. The need for patient launching through the innovation adoption curve, going small, getting get, letting demand drive distribution is not something they can do. And that's why they start to look for other brands outside the company that have crossed that chasm, as Jeffrey Moore would say, and now is ready for a uh, mainstream channel. Yeah. Is there a... Um... Is there a benefit to you also with Tecton and, and, and you can mention some of the things you're doing on educating healthcare providers that traditional beverage companies might not have the same, um, I'm going to use the wrong word, maybe purposely, same credibility to walk into doctors and say, hey, here's a product that we've got versus you coming in, you know, with your, with your co-founder, you know, off of a DARPA. Uh, technology, and if also you can reference to everyone here what you know what DARPA is and what DARPA does, and how that they they at times commercialize certain products that they've invented, but they don't actually they're not in the capitalist market; they're in the defense market. Right. So I'll answer the two questions inherent in there in in order. So it certainly helps to not have the Coca Cola name behind something that is going through healthcare practitioners. It's not that Coca-Cola cannot overcome that, but it is a barrier that you have to, you know, cater to when you do go in. I launched a coffee brand for them in 2006 in Canada, Norway, and Singapore, and people said, Coca-Cola, what do they know about coffee? And so right. it, 
it, it, it can be an asset and it can be a barrier, but it's overcomable. What DARPA does is it looks for things that are hard to commercialize, that might be kind of greenfield uh, technologies, and, but they think are good for the military, for long-term performance of, the, of their soldiers, mentally, physically, technologically, etc. And, you know, they've been given credit for inventing the internet and, you know, night, night vision goggles and everything in between. So, so DARPA stands for the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency of the Pentagon. Uh, they, uh, you know, as I said, they invest in things that may not be easily commercializable, commercializable with private money. So what they did was they noticed that the ketogenic diet leads to the production of ketones from your liver, where when your body is starved of carbs, your liver will start to burn fat and convert it into ketone or ketone bodies. Ketone bodies are more efficient for your cells to metabolize into energy than glucose is, which is your main alternate energy. But because they're more efficient, they cross the blood-brain barrier, they help to uh, you know, provide energy to cells that may have been uh, affected by pre-concussive or concussive hits. They give more mental focus, even if you're not concussive. Uh, they, uh, one of the byproducts of the glucose metabolism system is, you know, is lactic acid. Ketones don't have that. So it's better for muscle performance and recovery, and it gives you endurance. And one of the things that ketones also do is they curb appetite. Because if you think historically, when we were hunter-gatherers, it didn't help to be hungry and being distracted when your body had already run out of carbs. Now, ketones were running your body in search for your next meal. And so these benefits seem to be valuable for the military. So they invested through NIH and other means into technology that could potentially create ketones outside the body. Because keep in mind, getting ketones to be created by your liver means you cannot have any food for 24, 12, 24 hours, or you cut out all carbs for two to three weeks till your body adjusts to burning fat for, for energy rather than burning glucose for energy. Is there, is there any downside to, to putting your liver on, uh, you know, on hyperfunctionality? So if you think about our history as a species on Earth, I would say that our bodies have adapted, our livers are, were created, were, part of their function is to create ketones. Okay. So most of us in ketosis and, uh, at least have some ketones in your body being produced by our liver all the time. I mean, I carry a, I don't know if you can see this, but I have a continuous ketone monitor. So I'm always at 0 0.2, 0 0.3, and I'm yes. fat adapted because I, go on, I do intermittent fasting and a keto diet on and off. So I, I, I get into ketosis within you know, 10 to 12 hours of fasting now. So the liver is kind of produced, is geared for that. So if you think back to hunter-gatherer days, we didn't have any processed carbs. We didn't eat every, all, every meal as we eat now. We ate maybe once or twice every two days. And so your body was generating ketones all the time back then. So and it wasn't an obesity problem back then. Uh, yeah, as far I mean, as I could see so many from all the literature uh, or any of the um, hi hi hieroglyphics, um, it didn't seem like that was an issue. 
Right, exactly. It's because we didn't have, I mean, the industrial revolution, the food revolution, the last hundred years in particular, has taken us from a ketone plenty diet to a ketone starved lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And right. so, so the challenge that we had was how do you create ketone? Like, so in our opinion, way back in the, before the industrial food revolution, ketones were a macronutrient. You had many, many grams of ketones every day, tens, hundreds, maybe even. Whereas now we have, you know, the best dose you can get is probably 12 grams. And, uh, you know, most of these uh, products that DARPA had uh, initially invested in have a dose limit of two to three a day. And the genesis for our business was that Mike had severe TBI when he came out of the special, came out of Delta Force and retired. And what happens in the brain when you have a pre-concussive or a concussive hit is your glucose metal metabolism gets messed up. And so then it's, you know, your cells don't get energy and there's an energy crisis. Uh, there's also a production of random oxidative species, which is again damaging, whereas ketones can go in and then help the cells to get energy. But you needed it across the day. You didn't want to have, you know, periods of time when there was no energy to your brain. So we wanted to be able to create a product that you could drink all day if you needed. So let me ask you a question uh, before we get to the product. Yeah. You know, why does DARPA allow people to commercialize it if they think it's a competitive military advantage long term? There are some things that DARPA will take in and prevent it from being, or they will license it to American companies that are not allowed to uh, provide that technology to anybody else. Okay. With ketones, it was a more general health kind of a, a you know approach, and they felt that it probably wasn't moving along as fast as they hoped, and so they stopped funding it. Uh, now I think there are some military branches that are open to funding projects like this, including ours. Uh, but it is it is more open source. Gotcha. And then in your marketing, and we can talk about now, you know, the education that you feel like you have to push through the system. Do you lead with the fact that this was, you know, a, a, a military technology, just like a lot of, you know, electronic companies might use that or, you know, whether it's drone technology or whether it's, you know, night vision goggles or you know, uh, I, you know, I see a lot of infomercials on products that say, you know, it's a military technology. It's been commercialized. It's the only place to get it. And that's kind of part of their selling tool. Or is it now kind of across the chasm to the point now I just have to educate the mass market and the healthcare providers of something they kind of already know intuitively and it needs to kind of be hammered, hammered home. Yeah. So for our consumer target, if you go back to uh, Everett Rogers, you know, dispersion of innovation. Our innovators in the adoption curve are healthcare professionals. They are uh, fitness instructors, you know, celebrity instructors like Steve Uriah. And uh, we've got doctors. We've got most of our uh, investors are actually doctors. Uh, and so they get the product. The DARPA piece is not that big a deal for them. They want to see the clinical data. They want to see the trials. They want to see pharmacokinetic studies because they're not going to be impressed with something like that. It on the is. consumer side, it's even more important for us to focus on the health and well-being benefits because people don't want to put stuff in their bodies that they 
consider or fear might be not natural or not, uh, you know, organic and clean and those kind of issues. So uh, I think for investors, it's good for them to know that this technology would not have been around if it wasn't for DARPA, potentially. It may have come about anyway organically, but it did come about from that reason. Uh, but I think for healthcare professionals, what's really needed for them to understand is it provides real benefits. It is safe. It's palatable and it's affordable. And those were really our four goals to make this as ubiquitously available as possible. Got it. So you, you just closed, uh, or you're halfway through closing a, a Series A. Talk about, you know, given that you've been inside of large companies, you've launched brands, um, you've gotten a lot of distribution. What's the sequence of, of how you spend capital and, and why you potentially say to yourself, I'm only raising this amount of money because I know I need to get to this milestone, which a lot of entrepreneurs don't do. Um, and once I've hit that milestone, then I'm ready for the next uh, investment. Because I feel like that somehow the art and science of, of raising rounds of capital has somehow gotten muddled by, you know, VCs just kind of piling on money and not really sure, you know, if that's to solve an experiment and get to the next level or just kind of throw a lot of marketing and see what happens. Yeah, I, th I think the, uh, and I'll tell you, this is the same mistake that big companies make. Big companies have no choice but to make those mistakes, which is to go too big too fast. It is. And as a consequence, they get distribution and they don't have turns on, on, the, on the store shelves. Right. Now, smaller brands that raise a lot of money from VCs go and do the same mistake. They get doors rather than turns. And what we are doing here is, focusing really hard and, the, and being as disciplined as humanly possible to focus on influencers and the, uh, the tip of the adoption curve and get them to spread the message. And hopefully in a, in a year or two, we get to the point where we have enough demand. Uh, on, on the side, what we are doing is we are doing micro tests in health, you know, health food channels with weight loss clinics, uh, elder care, uh, and also with, uh, you know, uh, chiropractors and other practitioners like that, physiotherapists, so that they can get the word out. Uh, and then we're doing e-commerce uh, uh, as well in parallel to build our own uh, website and get our uh, traction to our own site because we have a lot of products coming down the pipeline. So we have a hydration beverage now. We're going to have gummies. We've got powders coming up. And that can go into a whole suite of products that can give you access to uh, exogenous ketones. So it's kind of a very disciplined approach to kind of test micro and retail, uh, go as, you know, as big as we can with the ambassador program. And then at some point, see where the awareness has got to the point where scaling out retail will start to make sense. So if you take a look, or if I was to ask you, you know, give me an analogy of, I'm, I'm a potential investor. Give me an analogy of, a, of, a, of another company you know, whether it's in a, uh, an adjacent category, um, as an example, you know, I'm 51 years old. I drink Pedialyte. Um, you know, I, I take, uh, you know, Goalie, uh, or Goalie or Golo, whatever the, uh, you know, the, uh, those little weight loss, uh, you know, gummy gummies are, well, what's the best analogy, even if it's not a good one of what Tecton could become? 
So when I was launching uh, this coffee brand for Coca-Cola, I started to build a, a launch strategy that was kind of start small. But it, my, my mantra is dream massive, start tiny. Because you, you know, no matter how experienced you are and how many times you've been successful in the past, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful again. So I like to start and test and learn and refine and move forward. So while I was building out that brand uh, strategy, People wanted us to go into McDonald's and Walmart, and I said, no, that's not the place to be. We, I want to go into high-end Michelin one restaurants, and you know, I want to go into uh, you know, fine dining and casual dining first, and then we will move into the larger chains. And so to defend that strategy, I had to look out for other brands that had truly become what I now call transcendent. They transcend mm -hmm. the categories. They become so powerful that even when competitors sometimes have equal, if not better, products at lower prices, consumers don't switch. And so these transcendent brands, I found that the best analogies for them are, if you look around you, it's Apple, Nike, Red Bull, are really great examples of that, Gatorade. I used to be, for a very short period of time, a global brand manager on Powerade. And Gatorade, you know, handed our, you know, uh, proverbials to us every year. Yeah. Because it has such deep loyalty. So how do they sure. do that? It's because they really transcended the adoption curve in a very methodical way. Now, most of them did it because they had no choice. The big companies have no choice but to go into big retail immediately. Small companies have no choice if, if they're not well-funded to go small first. So these brands, you know, like take Vitamin Water, a great example of very disciplined, smart, strategies of getting distribution in only those places where they could get high turns first. So by the time Coca-Cola got wind of them and noticed there's going to be a bidding war on uh, buying them from Pepsi and other companies, Vitamin Water had established high turn business in, on a very small scale. So that's kind of like, and you know, they exited to Coca-Cola for, I think, $4.1 billion. Sure. That's great. So um, in, in closing here, give us, um, you know, where, where you can find the product, you know, a couple other attributes and, uh, and then we'll put everything in the show notes here and uh, have people, I'm sure the taste test is, uh, is an important component to this and then people see how they feel. Um, and then that's kind of the onboarding uh, sequence um, is my assumption. Yes, absolutely. So the top two, three things to keep in mind is our product has a toxicity study result where you can, uh, an average male can drink 120 cans a day. Okay. Um, and uh, women can drink a little bit more than that. It can also be given to people below 21, unlike other exogenous ketones, because it is just so safe and so healthy. Uh, we tied our ketone molecule to glycerol, which is a nutrient your body produces and uses. So it's very benign, but it's uh, also, as a consequence, can be, as I said, consumed by everyone. Uh, the other exogenous ketones are tied to salts so or they're tied to butane diol, which are they're effective if taken properly, but you cannot have too many of them in a day because of uh, the toxicity or the overdose of salts uh, related to those. So the best way to get tecton, and so because this is based on glycerol, the, uh, the, our BHB molecule is tied to glycerol, it tastes it tastes way better. I would say it tastes somewhere between a Red Bull and a Powerade. So much easier to drink, has no sugar, no caffeine, uh, sweetened with monk fruits. So it has no insulin response. So it doesn't break a diet. So if I'm fasting, 
uh, I can drink this during the fast and it doesn't break my fast. So really great from a weight loss management perspective. So it tastes as palatable, affordable, uh, safe, and, the, and it's available on tectonlife.com, which is our website. It's also available in Atlanta at places like Hydroplast, which is our IV uh, weight loss clinic, and in you know some health food stores. But that's something that we are testing small on, in Atlanta, but we are now going to start scaling that out in SoCal and in Florida as well. Great. Uh, well, we look forward to, uh, to, to being helpful. There's a couple of big uh, distributors in the space that we'll talk about uh, getting some samples over to, and uh, we'll have this podcast up and you know, during the summer, if people want to try this uh, inside of their clubs, their pro shops, um, and the ambassador program that's a multi-level marketing affiliate program, um, you know, UJ will provide all that information. So welcome officially to the Halo sector. From the, uh, for the sugar industry, we welcome you with open arms. And, uh, you know, Tecton, hopefully this will be a uh, household name over the coming years. I'm sure it's going to be methodical and... Uh, long journey but it seems like you've uh you've been through that before and it's uh, it's just another marathon for you so congrats on what you built so far and uh for the uh for what's to come thank you so much pete thank you for having me appreciate awesome. it